think we may have everybody's answers in. So let's see. All right, so first question, following topics you're most interested in today, marketing communication strategy and social media. Guess what? We don't have to talk about email communication. Does that, does that sound good to you? <laughs> Boom. Uh, whoever sees communication, uh, we have a few guys from Mercy Street who are, um, that's their gig. Um, who said me? That's me. Okay. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. And then, and then one of us has a volunteer running communications. Who's that? Yeah. So we have an intern. Um, okay. And we actually, uh, we have one intern that has been with us almost for a year. He's finishing his time at, at the end of May. And then we'll have a new volunteer intern starting in the summer. So, yeah. That's great. And then everyone feels like they're strongest in email communication. Um, so anyone want to elaborate why you think you're strong in email communication? Hey, you said it. I didn't say it. You, you <laughs> All right. I'll start. I'll say um, we use MailChimp um, and my husband and I sent out weekly newsletters via MailChimp when we were in Slovenia. So I feel like through that and then since being here with Impact, um, got a lot of practice. So um, I feel like uh, both, both then and now we get a lot of compliments on our newsletter that folks enjoy reading it and um so i think we do okay yeah it's great it's awesome i was gonna say when it when it comes to our newsletter i guess it's probably the most consistent thing out of everything that we do so i think that's probably like why it's the strongest i mean not to say there aren't any improvements but that's probably just because it's like if it's once a month or a couple times a month we at least get it out so people can know what's going on mm -hmm. so that's probably the the main reason why I say it's one of our strongest things. Um, does anyone want to elaborate on why uh, their organization is strongest in marketing communication strategy? That one person. I don't actually me. It might have been me. Woo, Jordan, Jordan. <laughs> I know Janae just sent me a message. She's like, was it you that put email also? But I actually did uh, marketing <laughs> communication. Okay. Um, I don't know. I just think me personally, because that's mainly more of what I'm doing is um, communicating with volunteers and families and stuff. So that's why I felt that way. Um, that's great. Um, and she does do a great job and she has a degree in this. So good job, Jordan. <laughs> <sighs> um, so let's go back to the first question. I mean, a couple of people are interested in social media. And then the bulk of us are interested in marketing communication strategy. Um, is there a specific layer? I, I want everyone just to kind of share which you're most interested in. That when it relates to donors, when it relates to volunteers or families, or is it just across the board? So just please elaborate on that. Uh, I'd say probably just across the board. Um, I think that would just kind of help. Um, I feel like a lot of times since I'm like the main person doing a lot of the communications, it's, uh, it's, it's almost like a water hose because everybody's like, hey, I need you to communicate this. Hey, I need you to communicate that. But hopefully, I, like I, I just haven't had a chance to really like streamline and have like a good place to pull from. Because honestly, this is my first time doing communications for like a nonprofit and in that just needing kind of a, a litmus test of how to mm -hmm. better communicate with them. So. Yeah, I just I just say across the board, just to be honest. Yeah, that's great. 
coming from, I came from a church background. I ran communications for a church and also ran a college ministry. So it was like two completely different roles. But uh, within that, I mean, in the church world, you have people asking you, well, can you get my potluck on the bulletin? Can you do this or that? And <clears throat> it's usually the people who are bringing things for you to announce. Those are the things that you don't want to announce. But the things that your organization needs to announce, no one's asking you to, to put that stuff in the communication calendar. It's all really your sole responsibility if you're overseeing communication. And so I think it is interesting when it comes to most, um, most churches as well as mentoring organizations that I've heard from are that really um, there's a need for someone to oversee all three of those, at least as a point person. Um, because it's weird. I, I don't know if you're in a, are any of us in a role where we oversee one of those and someone else is in charge of the other one and someone else is in charge of the third one. Does anyone have that situation? And could you share how that, what that feels like? I would say it's more of a collaboration, um, similar to what Jordan's alluded to. Um, she and I kind of take turns doing newsletters, um, depending on what sort of marketing effort we're talking about. We both have done some graphic design stuff. Um, and then, as I mentioned before, um, you know, we've had a social media intern and are transitioning to a new social media intern. And so, you know, with a, a young person in that role, who's really just learning, it's been a lot of me teaching them how, um, you know, both our branding roles and our strategy and, and how we're going to do that. So um, it's a lot of collaboration, I would say. Yeah, I would agree with that. Definitely a lot of collaboration. Each of these kind of categories of donor volunteer families you have more than just digital stuff that you're doing to get your your message out you probably have print materials does anyone do print stuff um either in-house or you you send it out to a graphic designer what what does that look like for for you guys over at mercy street uh we when it comes to like print material we normally have to outsource it um we kind of when I came on are kind of like still like trying to like get like people who can help us out with a lot of things. Like when it comes to like graphic design and stuff like that, kind of when I came on, we didn't really like have a lot of that stuff. So like in addition kind of like push a lot of stuff and get things out, we're honestly just kind of like grasping like, Oh, does this, can this person or can that person? Cause um, we just don't have a good network of people, you know, who can do a lot of print or even just graphic designers. So hopefully that gives a better yeah. understanding of, of everything. I feel like this is just like a com confession of just, hey, this is all the things that we're struggling <laughs> with. This is what's going on. Uh, help us, please. Sorry. But yeah, so that's just kind of like how everything is right now. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Um, does anyone else feel a little overwhelmed when you think about all the different strategies that you have to create? and things you have to keep up with, lists. Um, it, is, it is a little taxing, especially for smaller organizations who I think have probably greater needs for getting our message out, telling people about what we're doing, and um, having a consistent communication strategy. Um, so let's talk about, let's just dial down into the donors, which I feel like Probably for most mentoring organizations, your donor base is your community. Um, does anyone have a donor base that's 
primarily outside of your community. Does, does that, um, is that anyone in this, this ballpark? And by community, you mean like zip code? Is yeah, like, your, like your general area? area are the people that, that sponsor your organization? Um, we have a variety. Um, would you say it's like half and half or? Yeah, I would say for, for individuals, uh, I, I would say probably our overall money is, um, I mean, we're also about a quarter of our fund comes, comes from grants. Um, but for our overall individuals and churches, I would say about half, half of our individuals are local. Um, and probably three quarters of our funding comes locally. That's great. So how does that influence your communication today in having half of your people who are here who understand Pendleton and then half who are disconnected in some way geographically? Um, how does that influence the way you communicate? Do you have two different communication strategies for those two groups or do they all get the same? I mean, uh, in all honesty, getting donors on board who are not here in Pendleton is hard. Um, it's mostly people that I have a personal relationship with that I have gone to um, and asked for funding. Um, that being said, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess my strategy is to get as many people as possible following us on social media and reading our newsletters. And so even when I'm like back in my hometown at my dad's church, I'm like, this is what's going on with us. By the way, do you get our newsletter? And um, even like people that I barely know in my dad's church have read our newsletter and some of them have become donors uh, just because they have liked what's been going on. So, um, you know, my, I guess when it comes to communication, um, my strategy typically is, um, you know, trying to always create something of value that people are inspired by reading regardless of where they live. And so, you know, like we have friends in Russia who are donors. Um, we have friends, you know, and uh, so it's like, but they enjoy reading our newsletter and they like seeing all the kids smiling faces and they feel like, um, you know, this is something good that's happening and it's exciting. And every time I read your newsletter or see your social media, I'm excited by it. So I guess that's the most important thing is um, always being positive. Um, we have a lot of branding rules that we talk about of only positive messaging. We don't say like, let us tell you how horrible Pendleton is and how horrible all these kids are. So we don't really focus on explaining the need, I guess, to speak to that question. Um, we more try to just strive, not always um, perfectly, but uh, strive to tell an inspiring story. Um, and um, hopefully that is something that people enjoy interacting with. That's great. Thanks for sharing today. Another question. Well, does anyone else have a similar deal where you have kind of two audiences that you're communicating to? We we do have two different audiences in regards to our donor base. Like even when we did a kind of North Texas Giving Day, we had to kind of think in regards of like, most of our donors are outside of our community. So we're West Dallas, South Dallas, um, and trying to make sure whenever we communicate things, it inspires people to give, also to come off paternalistic, you know, to the people that we're trying to reach. Um, so yeah, so that's always like an interesting juggle in regards to posting stuff, especially on social media, because like one small word could have serious implications on, in the messaging. So yeah, yeah. I definitely feel like we have two different audiences, um, and we are specific about that. That our newsletter, and we try to be pretty upfront about this. This is a prayer newsletter. This is these are prayer requests. These are scripture um, things like that. Um, and then our our social media, not that we don't 
we about once a week we share scripture on social media and stuff like that but it is more for the community which includes a lot of non-believers and um and even to the extent like this <laughs> someone on the school board who doesn't want to get our newsletter anymore <laughs> uh, just because it's like okay well it's a little too churchy for him that's fine um and and no harm done like this is our core group of we we want to send out specific prayer requests for people that are praying and so people pretty easily understand like um this newsletter is actually not for me it's more for your your faith crowd that kind of thing and so um again not that we're like watering down the gospel or who we are um but we do try to really lean into here's how you can pray for our mentors in our newsletter yeah at least from the conversation what i'm hearing so far is that there is an emphasis upon the who find who we're communicating to and i think that that's probably something we all need to consider is who who are the people we're trying to communicate to and if we just decide, well, I just want my list to be the biggest and get it out to the most people, does the message actually actually connect to the audience we're sending that out to? Um, and so, Danae, you mentioned geographically, there's a little difference. You mentioned faith is a little, there's a little difference. And maybe it doesn't change your message, but it changes how you share your message. Um, and then maybe, just in terms of donor level um, of seeing, well, this is this is somebody who's consistently given at this point versus this is someone who like maybe is a recurring donor or or is a prospective donor hasn't given yet. Do you guys have any um, categorizations like that where you have someone who's on your list, but you know they haven't given before, things like that? Yeah, we, we have a, a lot of people who are on our list that don't donate. I think uh, David is usually one who's in control of all that, or at least knows that because he's in development. Yeah, well, that's that's definitely a thing. Not everybody who sees our, our email donates. And I um, we're in the middle. Oh, sorry, David. Uh, we're in the middle of finding ways to integrate our database into our MailChimp uh, so we can see who's active, who's receiving what, and who's opening what. And so um, it's just over time as as those continue to integrate, we'll know more about it. But I would say uh, the vast majority of people who get and opened our emails uh, don't, don't donate. They're still being cultivated. That's great. I was just going to add something on that same line of I pretty much creepily stalk everyone and look at if someone has opened the newsletter 10 times this month, I'm probably going to ask them to donate one on one because they're really reading this a lot and thinking about it a lot. And so um, I kind of look at those things and, and think about those things. That's great. Peter, Donovan, April, do you guys um, have any thoughts on those metrics and things you're tracking? Uh, just that we don't track them enough. <laughs> we we just went to a new system, Aplos. I don't know if anyone's familiar with it, uh, and we're just getting used to it. And it's but it's improved some things dramatically, so we know who's opening things and who's clicking on what we open. We've got uh, and we've increased our rate of uh, of clicks and and uh, just people viewing our emails uh, through this. Uh, but we still have to uh, improve a lot of the things along the way. Um, but Aplos really did help us in a lot of different ways. It connected our database directly to our our uh, finances. 
So it was all in, not everything's all in one system. Instead, we had three things going on at once. And so that was greatly beneficial for us. That's great. I want to ask, when it comes to your audience, just connecting with donors, what I've recognized on our end is that we don't have very many entry points onto our donor list other than someone meeting with us and us communicating the vision to their um, to their individual desires and things that they're looking to give toward. And so, but I think that's actually what you even shared, Danae, is like sitting down with someone one-on-one and casting the vision. That's going to, that's going to go so much further for you than if just they're a lead on your website that just clicks the join the newsletter. Um, and so I don't, I don't know if you guys have any strategy currently after someone's added to your newsletter that you follow up with them um, and have a personal one-to-one meeting, or if even as the communications person, you feel like that's your job. Um, maybe it feels like, well, someone else is going to do that. Um, but any thoughts on, on what I just shared um, from any of you guys? Uh, I say I, I agree with that. I think we've kind of been trying to develop that a little bit more, kind of um, creating a community for people because I think like kind of allowing people to kind of get plugged in beyond just seeing the newsletter uh, can kind of, you know, warm their hearts to give, you know, because it allows them to be more, uh, have more of a buy-in. And so that's stuff that we've kind of talked about, um, you know, kind of like, hey, we saw you at such and such conference. This is, you know, our newsletter. Come join our, uh, you know, volunteers luncheon or dinner. Um, we've done some things, but we've just kind of been restructuring. So I, I agree that that's something that's needed and would love to know how to better execute it, I guess. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. I think, I mean, 90% of our people are joining the newsletter because we already met them face-to-face mm-hmm. and we got their email from them and we're adding it. Um, and, and so that usually goes along with a personal email of I'm adding you to our newsletter. It was great to meet you. We want to, you know, whatever it is. Um, we follow up personally there, but I haven't really thought of people that join from the hosted signup form, um, following up with them personally. So it's a good thought. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think for the most part, what I've experienced in communication, um, is that there are a lot of things that sound like great ideas, but it always feels like, well, I think my role is just writing the newsletter. My job is just to get the information out and not cultivate those people. I kind of, I like what David said, like they're, they're in the process of becoming a donor. Uh, If we're overseeing some part of the communication strategy, then it's on us to help guide them through that process. And so I want to even ask just in terms of the messaging side, of your donor relationships, what's your process for developing like kind of a a key message for your organization? Do you guys have a list of kind of the key things that your organization provides that everyone in your communications kind of team, which I say communications team, really your whole staff should be on your communications team in some way. Um, They should be your primary communication strategy. 
everyone on your team being on the same page when it comes to your vision, when it comes to communicating why you do what you do and how that influences and impacts your community. What, what does that look like for you guys? Do you have a few messages that you're asking everyone on your staff to be able to communicate so that if they're in a situation where they meet someone who's really interested for some reason in addressing fatherlessness and you can present to them, well, hey, here's something that we're doing. This is what we're about. How do you guys go about developing those key messages for donors and how are you training your staff in those things? When are you talking about this stuff? And I know communication bleeds into every area of the organization and it can kind of feel like everyone's boundaries are up or like, whoa, I just oversee mentors. Like, But I'd love to hear how you guys develop develop that as an organization and if and if it's not developed like how could you start what's one way you could start doing that i also would be curious to hear jordan's answer to this but um <laughs> i would say beyond just the, your question of how do you communicate to donors um i would say communication in general back in um uh, let's see when, when we first launched the program 2018 um took the board through uh, activity of advocacy. And then I also go through that with each new person. Now I know it's been a while for Jordan, so she can tell me if that's actually was good and helpful or not. Um, but I take it through with like our new staff, um, our interns, uh, you know, and, and then also board members, obviously we want board members to be advocates. And so whether it's, you know, whether it's asking for funds, whether it's asking for just getting involved as a mentor or just talking about the thing that you're involved with. So we actually had like catchphrases that I had everybody memorize. And then the board, I had them break up into groups of two. And I was like, this is like catchphrase bingo, like within a minute, can you explain what we're doing? And can we, can you use as many of these phrases as possible? And so we, we practiced as a board that advocacy. Now we didn't do as much of that practicing piece with new hires and um, again, Jordan could give me a feedback on if that was so long ago, she doesn't even remember, but we do have certain phrases that we use um, and try, and then certain phrases we don't use. And we talked about, we don't use negative terminology. We don't say this. Instead, we say this and you have to be intentional. And especially with board members, they're like at risk. And I'm like, uh -uh, no, that's on the no list. We don't say that. And so, um, you know, I, I think, I think having those things written out and then uh, practicing those is important. And, and we use those same terms verbally and we use those same terms in our written communications too. Like on, on Facebook all the time, we talk about the impact mentoring family. Um, that's the term that we use. Um, and so we're not saying, we're so thankful for our mentors and our parents and our kids. And no, the impact mentoring family, like there's no difference between how you're involved with us. So. Mm -hmm. That's really good, Danae. The main thing I feel like you just communicated is that you have common language that you're establishing. And if you can establish that language across your staff and your board of directors, then you can translate that to your donor base. You can translate that to, that to your communities. And if your donor and community pick up on your common language, then you're creating advocates for your own organization through the people that are being a part, whether it's just financially or, and I think particularly with volunteers as well. Um, so I, I love that. Um, cause I, and even if you say you haven't done it, you did it with your board of directors. And so you are doing it. Um, cause what your donors are going to hear are, they're going to hear the common language. Um, they might not necessarily hear you say, Hey, I don't want you to say that or, but they will pick up on the things that you do say. So 
Um, we had a we had a fundraiser or not a fundraiser a recruiting event that I brought one of my mentors to come share our story and I didn't give him any heads up on what I wanted him to share. I was just like, well, just share your experience. And he was like, he got up in front of this group of 50 people at this church. And he was like, guys, you don't understand how poor these people are that, that we serve. And, you know, you just, you need to be involved. And, and I just, I sat there and I was like, oh no, why, why did I put him in this situation to communicate for my organization without giving him vision of what I wanted him to communicate. And um, yeah, I just think that that's a, that's a communication strategy failure that I feel like we'll all experience if we're not clear um, with that language. So it's a good thought, Danae. Danae, how successful do you think you were in helping the board to catch on to your communication strategy? I mean, um, were they, were they able to carry those things on, do you feel, afterwards? That's a complex question. So um, <laughs> the first round of this, uh, the point was advocacy. And I was really trying, it, within the same section, we had a whole section on fundraising. And I was challenging the board, could you talk to someone you know and ask them for money? Um, and, and we practiced that too, what that would look like, or, or could you set up a lunch where I would, anyway, so I will say in 2018, um, with the board that we had then, the advocacy piece went over really well. They were all talkers. They loved to go out and tell everybody in the world news was spreading. Even some mentors signed up based on word of mouth, things like that. So that piece went well. I think that stuck. <laughs> the fundraising piece did not go well. and and subsequently that board health is a whole nother thing we have a, some board members who stepped down after about six months after that um because they just really didn't want to do anything um and they realized oh this is a board that we actually have to do stuff i'm not about that um and then we have gotten new board members and as we onboard the new board members we talk about what's expected of you as a board member um and then we we take people through that here's as you're an advocate, as you're a fundraiser, as you're a participant, here's what that looks like for you. So I'll say all of our new board members are really 100% in sync, 100% on board. And then that, you know, the five retained from the old board are, are also on board. It's just, um, you know, uh, I would say the board is in a, a, we have a great board right now, very supportive and active. And um, so I, it definitely was a not 100% success at the beginning. <laughs> But um, the, the board that we have right now is, is very committed to those things. And, and that sort of language is why they're involved with our organization in the first place is because they've heard those phrases echoed and they loved it. That's why they wanted to be involved in the first place. So um, I would say it's been a, a growing process, but the board that we have right now is, is very much um, doing a good job with using those, those key phrases and advocating. That's awesome. I want a board like Danae's board. Come on to the board meeting here in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> David asked a question about segmenting email lists. And for us, what that looks like is we tag every action that people do. So if, if someone gave us a $5,000 gift, we tag them as, as a, a high-level donor. And what that does in our system is it, it makes sure that we send them our print mailing our, our mailer out every month and gets us into a place where we're consistently, we know who the people that we need to meet with 
on at least an annual basis, if not more frequently. Um, and so that, that helps us a lot in just always adding that information as soon as it happens. So for instance, North Texas Giving Tuesday just happened. We went through that list and based off of what people gave and where they are at, if they're in our, um, in our vicinity, if they're in the Lake Highlands community, which is our neighborhood, um, that helps us know, okay, we're sending everybody a thank you card. We're putting this person on this list, putting these people on this list and making sure we're giving them the right information. Um, and that influences also, um, I mean, we have different, different kind of strategies and goals for newsletters that we send out. So some of them are just reporting, storytelling, sharing testimonies. Some are a call, a call to action uh, to give, to donate. Um, but usually most of our, our monthly donor newsletters are all about storytelling. We don't even make asks every, every time we send out a newsletter. Um, but it's more of just saying thank you and um, communicating that they're, they're involved in the work and, and we're appreciative of their involvement. Um, does anyone Can else- Can I ask a question? Huh? I would love to hear from each of y'all's organizations of um, something that Stephen just alluded to. And I know we're talking a lot it seems like newsletter, even though people don't want to talk newsletter. So we can talk newsletter and social media. How often um, do you ask for donations, both in newsletter and social media? Um, that as a young, small organization, we have been intentional to not do that <laughs> um, because it's we just don't want people associating our new brand with those people who are always asking for money. Um, so we have asked for donations on social media one time. And we have asked explicitly for donations in our newsletter about two times total. Um, very, very rare. Um, what What are y'all's thoughts on that as older, wiser, established organizations? And um, and how often do you do that? And and how much return do you see on that? I can share as a first a first thought. Um, we want to. We're trying to implement the one in five rule of saying we want to have five forms of connection with someone before we give them an ask. And so that means we send out 20 communications. We want only, what is that, four of those to have some form of, form of an ask just to create that momentum of saying like, hey, we are, we are showing you, we're building trust and we're proving what we're doing works. But then we're also, we're asking because <laughs> if you don't ask, then your organization is not going to make it. And so that's, that's a, a rule that we're trying to stick to. And then we obviously have seasonal kind of fundraisers and stuff that we do. And so we just see those on a calendar and fit in, okay, here we need to make an ask, here we need to make an ask, here do we need to make, make an ask. And so we try to calendar those things out and not just do it in the moment, if that makes sense. Well, Danae, I, I certainly fit in the older category. I'll, I'll leave the wiser or something else. But um, uh, let's, um, I, I would say this, that we're, we're a very different organization. We're not working locally. And everyone we're in contact with pretty much is in ministry and raising money. So if you look at our mail list, other than our own personal donors that we get, it's all people who are just struggling to raise money themselves. So we're not out there. So but uh, that being said, we, we have done a couple of things that have really brought in 
money. Only I said, only, when I say couple, let's leave it to two. <laughs> and one was a, um, we did a crowdfunding for a, when we were helping start a program in Bangladesh. And so that was an unusual thing and it attracted people. And we did a couple of things to help us. So that we put it on a Facebook page, uh, promoted the page um, and did things like that to make that happen. And we've had similar uh, things with, uh, one is when we were, we still are and working in, in Appalachia, we started this Appalachia mentoring project and that was one that, uh, it, it was a project that people could relate to because you know, a couple of things, because both things were in the news at the time. And, and so that really helped it. But th those are the only two things we've done. Most of what we do, I, I mean, and so I'm old, so I'm, I'm real old school and stuff, but most of our contacts have come through word of mouth. So we support other ministries. We help other ministries be more effective and they tell other ministries. And that's how we've, and that's how we've done. We're only now, and that has really kept us at capacity for most of the time, but now we've increased our capacity. And so we are looking at ways of, of uh, increasing our, uh, our, our visibility to others. Awesome. We only have 15 minutes left, so I wanna to transition to talking about social media, but that doesn't mean we can't continue the conversation. Um, I'm gonna send out an outline of some of the stuff that we've shared on the call afterwards, so um, we can continue the conversation the only thing I was going to say about volunteers and families, our communication strategy, something we decided to do was to connect both of our families and volunteers on the same newsletter so that we're, um, we're creating connections for the families we serve as well as the volunteers we have to see what's going on in the organization and recognize that we're all together in this. And that's something that we found to be really effective because um, Sometimes moms are communicated one thing and they're not seeing the, the things we're telling our mentors to do, telling our tutors to do, and being able to just give that, all that information to them is transparent, as well as it challenges our, our mentors and tutors to do what we're telling them to do. Um, so that's, that's been something that, that we've done that's really helped. Um, and if anyone has any thoughts on that, share in two minutes and then we'll transition to social media. Steve, I think that's brilliant, by the way. I just, I think that's, that will uh, keep you, just what Dana was saying, keeping your language and your thoughts and what you want to communicate in line, knowing that, okay, one of the, the, the parents of the kids we're working with are reading this, those kids may be reading it. You're, you're really, it helps you refine what you're, what, what you're writing and how you're communicating. I really, really like that. I think that's a really great strategy. Awesome. Well, since Peter was so positive, I'm just going to move on from there. Um, let's talk about social media real quick. I have a few questions. Um, so let me pull up that poll and you guys can answer these questions. You should see uh, just two questions for you. Um, and hopefully this will help us direct our conversation. Engagement is out in the lead. Facebook is winning. We'll just end it there. Okay, engagement is the primary goal. So you wanna connect with your community, you wanna build trust, and then everyone's on Facebook. Amen, way to go. Let me ask the question, I'm sure all of you probably have an Instagram. Do you guys cross post 
do you post things on Instagram and everything from Instagram goes to Facebook? Is that kind of how you do it? We cross post all three from Buffer. From Buffer? Uh, yeah, same. We, uh, we cross post all through Buffer. And so are you guys scheduling everything? And what, what does scheduling look like for you guys? Is that once a week you're going in and you're thinking about what you want to post? With scheduling on a good day, yeah, we can <laughs> schedule out a week of posting. And before everything kind of went crazy, I kind of had a whole month ready. And I was like, nope. But, uh, but yeah, typically it's to, tr- to try to get a week's worth of stuff going out. But sometimes it's kind of just a conflict of where we're just finding out like, oh, this is something we should post about or, oh, this is what we should do. And I would say uh, sometimes kind of a lack of direction. And because of that lack of direction, that influences and alters how well we can actually schedule posts, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. So that's kind of like where we are with all of that. That's great. I make one comment and then leave. Um, Yeah, so we, when I was doing it myself, I would schedule in advance. Um, We, whether I was doing it myself or when an intern is doing it, we have a social media calendar. Um, some of that is we pre-schedule things months in advance of six month and one year mentoring anniversaries, uh, mentor and mentee birthdays. Um, and then of course, like any fundraisers, we have things like that. Those things are like kind of set in stone well in advance. And then, um, yeah, so I had hoped our social media intern would be, be would, would be able to take the initiative of, okay, the other days of the week, we could do a scripture, we could do a, a motivational quote, and we have a list of those. Uh, we do a mentoring like flashback Friday, you know? Um, and then of course we just have random pictures that mentors send us throughout the week. We try and post those like same day. Our, our current intern was young and struggled with that much ambiguity of having like four days a week he needed to come up with his own stuff. And so it just turned into, I would create a social media calendar for him for the whole month. And then he would design and post um, those. And I, I don't think he pre-scheduled them. I think he would just do it on a day-by-day basis. But I think with the calendar, would you write out the captions and all that stuff, or would you have him do it? And that is what it evolved into. Yes, um, I tried. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so the only piece he was doing was the graphic design and then posting it. Um, so I was writing the captions. Um, in the first like three months or so, I was really trying to teach him how to do that, but um, he wasn't always like he would miss days and stuff like that. So um, to get the consistency, I just um, schedule it, but I'm, I'm optimistic our next person can do that. So yeah, um, if anybody wants to talk more about social media, I did, I, I worked for a company that sold clothes 100% on social media. And so they had a lot of strategies I learned there. And then I did social media for a company in Russia too. So I have a lot of social media ideas, not that we're experts in any way, but that's something I like talking about, but I'm leaving, so bye. Thank you, Janae, you're awesome. Didn't they, oh, never mind. She's gone. She's headed to a board meeting. Dang, I need to get whatever she's got. I'm, I'm going to need that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Something that I've seen that, I mean, is kind of difficult is the handoff from handoff to do social media. Usually that looks like you give somebody a password and you're like, have fun. Um, and right. hopefully you create something that's that's effective. From my experience, that does not work. I think whoever's overseeing it, I think they need a certain level of skill. Uh, they need they need to be given vision, um, vision for what you're looking for. And so, uh, what I found best for us is to, uh, on one side, look at our previous posts and recognize what do people actually want to see 
about our organization, what is creating that traction, what's creating engagement, and then forming some basic principles out of that. And so people love people. So when you talk about people, everyone engages. I, I would even say specific people. Um, so I love what Danae's done in highlighting their mentor relationships and posting about those relationships consistently. I don't know, Jordan, if you've seen traction on specific posts that you guys make, but I, I do know that relationships, I mean, it's on my shirt, relationships change lives. People, people love relationships. Jordan, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, so we are seeing more like comments and likes on posts where it's about six month anniversaries or, you know, saying for happy birthday to, you know, our mentees and mentors. We're definitely seeing more interaction with those posts than our other posts. Definitely. That's great. April, what, what would you say are, are the most common themes of, of y'all's posts? We, we really have not done much of this yet. Okay. So, uh, so far we've, we've highlighted the ministries we've helped start or continue to develop, uh, like the Appalachian Mentoring Project. So it's not so much about CUIM as here, look what, look who we're supporting and check mm -hmm. the, them out. So, yeah. Yeah. We highlight one ministry we've helped uh, either start or really uh, grow, mm -hmm. and uh, we promote them. And we so we put them out on to our, to our email list and put it on Facebook, and we, we actually put links to their donation site. <laughs> so it was, but but that's our our service, you know. And so we've kind of more used stuff to promote other other things that we have seen growing. I love that. I just sent you guys a, a picture of kind of some what we use to develop posts. And this is something I've given, honestly, our entire staff, because our entire staff, they see things differently. They have a different perspective. I won't be able to see everything. And I've communicated to my staff that they're the greatest storytellers for our organization because they're in the relationships, they're in the trenches. And so you can see I've given them a strategy. I've said, hey, our audience is people in the Lake Highlands community and even more specifically people who, who give to us. And we want to continually tell them the story of what we're doing. Our vision is that relationships change lives. That's our social media vision. And then I, I tell them like, hey, we want to post pictures that are visually consistent. And what I mean by that is they're all people because people love people. Also, my, my executive director, he loves the black and white feel. So all of our posts on social media are black and white. We disagree on, on that, but it's also, you, you got to respect your leadership. So <laughs> making sure the messages are, are connecting back to our audience, like the people we're wanting to connect with, um, and that there's a focus on relationships. Our frequency, we want to post three to five posts a week. And that's, that's where we're being consistent in telling the story and showing the people what's going on in our organization. The categories of posts, that's just a, an outline to help us think through, okay, this helps the ideas, the idea generation of, okay, what would be funny? What would be educational? What would communicate that we're, we're making our, our forerunners, our organization's forerunner mentoring into men of God? And because uh, how we kind of schedule the posts, we have everyone in our system denote which category their posts are related to so that we can see where the gaps are. So if, if we're seeing 
oh, guess what? We haven't shared any inspiring stories in, in the, the past month. We need to do that. And we try to be consistent in, in the things that we're, we're communicating and or consistently inconsistent, if that makes sense. We don't want our posts to all sound the same and be repetitive because people just will drown out your message. So that's, that's kind of some, some guiding principles we give our team. Does anyone else have any kind of guiding principles in, in the way you do social media that you found helpful? One of the things that kind of helps me in regards to like how I guide, uh, like the stuff that we create is um, kind of along the lines of what you showed us. Um, but like trying to, if you, if, if you guys ever get a chance, there's a thing on like cultural cartography. Um, mm -hmm. It's something that was created by uh, BuzzFeed. It's a really cool like YouTube resource, but it kind of goes into like the strategy of like how you create content for like a certain type of use. Um, and so sometimes like that kind of helps me in regards of like picking what type of content to create because um, it just allows it to be a little bit more engaging. So yeah, so that that's kind of something that helps me sometimes too, just from like a branding standpoint. Awesome. Another thing I would suggest for, for anyone overseeing social media is that if your goal is engagement, it's, it's not just people engaging with you, you have to engage with them. I've put three people on our team, on our, our part-time staff who run our after-school program, and I've told them, hey, we follow these organizations, and there's a reason, because we want to cultivate relationship with them. And so I'd love for you to like their images, to leave comments, to connect with people. And maybe you see people that we need to know or connect with, and I give them full clearance to do that, because... If, if your account is engaging with other people, other people are more likely to engage with you. And so I think a lot of organizations just focus on getting content out there to get people to engage with you. And the way to get people to engage more with you is to engage with them, to go into their turf, to like their pictures, to comment. And um, we've seen a lot of traction in, in doing that. Our time is up. I have a lot more... Um, stuff I want to share about social media. So I'm just going to link, link a document to you guys that kind of outlines everything we've talked about as well as some other resources I think would be helpful. And just so you know, this, this call, we want to pack it full of information, but there's the outline. So be sure to look at that and um, I'll be sending out an email within the next day. So. Thank you. How can we access the recording? I want someone else to listen to this. You know, I forgot to record the last no, one. No, it's recording. But, it's recording. It's but yeah, this right one's there. recording, so you'll have it. All right. Thank you. Okay. Well, um, I'll pray for us, and then we'll get on with the rest of our day. Thank you for participating, everybody. Appreciate your work, Stephen. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, Father, we love you. Thank you for every organization represented and listening um, in and contributing to this conversation. And um, Lord, we just we want to be good communicators. We want to... Uh, invite people into what you're doing. And uh, we want to, um, yeah, demonstrate your kingdom more and more in our spheres of influence. And so, um, Lord, thank you that as we communicate, you're drawing more people into our vision and you're changing the world through that. And so um, give us grace in leading our teams and make us, um, yeah, just each inviters into uh, our own visions uh, of our organization, Scott. Make us great communicators. Give us vision. 
uh, give us those key messages to hold on to and to continually bring before people. And we just say, Lord, that we want to be uh, friends of the people that donate to our organizations. And so help us to uh, be personable and um, communicate um, worth and value to all of the people who contribute to our vision. And so we love you, Lord. Bless uh, each of these organizations in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Love y'all.